I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I miss you, man. I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you, I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you. Why does that like that? <laughs> I'm very tired. <laughs> How long are you awake for today? Uh, as I said, I've got two hours sleep. Um, you know, wake up to watch the DC fandom. Watched all like, what was it, like four hours or something? Yeah. Because they made us wait till the fucking end for the Batman trailer. Was it worth it, Dylan? <laughs> no, because they just threw it straight up on YouTube right afterwards. <laughs> Well, by the time this episode goes out, Dylan, we're going to, it's almost Christmas time. So, ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everyone. Okay, Dylan's going to be low energy today. That's all right. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll get there. I'm just waiting for my second cup of coffee to kick in. All right, there we go. Uh, by the way, my name's Lonnie. Your name's Dylan. This is I Miss You Man. How are you doing, uh, apart from your partners? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great because I'm talking with you, my friend. Oh, there we go. How good's that? This podcast, Dylan, mm. has the best fans in the entire world. Did you know that? that uh, it has to. <laughs> I, I would not be surprised to hear that in the slightest. Yeah, there you go. What's it about, Dylan? What's this podcast all about? Well, Lonnie, it's normally about you and me, two buds, catching up each week and taking each other through a journey, a topic that could be anything, life, pop culture, and everything in between. Exactly Right. Today, Dylan, I'm the captain of the pirate ship. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But you've been with me every step of the way. It's been a joint effort this week, hasn't it? I'm your first mate, Lonnie, reporting for duty. There we go. Okay. You see the title? We're talking about comedic actors in serious roles. Mm. Now, I had this idea a little while ago, um, but we decided to pull the trigger just recently when you sent me a message about how much you love the Will Ferrell movie, Stranger Than Fiction. I knew it was time then, didn't I? I knew it was time. <laughs> it was destined. It was <laughs> destined to be this week that we're recording this podcast. Uh-huh. And so we put our brains together. We came up with a couple other films that also fit in this comedic actors in serious roles category. A uh, fair few to choose from. Um, even a fair few from the actors that we actually end mm. up choosing from as well. Absolutely. Um, and I guess I'm thinking about this, like if you're Robin Williams, for example, you've got a very long career and you're very well known for your very serious, sorry, your comedic, you know, hamming it up a lot of the time, mm. you know, Jeannie, um, Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire, Doubtfire. Yeah. 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 all sorts of comedic roles and he's Mork, Mork things I'm going to say, that's how he got his start. Mm. And also he's like, you know, stand up shows. So oh, yeah. I'm guessing, you know, eventually you're like, all right, I want to do something serious for a while just to mix it up a bit. And also, like when you're, you know, Jim Carrey and you're top of your game and you, you're the most famous movie star in the whole world, yeah, you can pick and choose your role. So, yeah, why not do something um, that looks like a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, bit of shade, bit of shade getting thrown early on at the number twenty-three. Oh, all right. 
And I also, I guess, you know, actors are, you know, they're competitive enough. They want to, you know, get praise, I'm, I'm guessing. So, you know, if you, you know, do the right role, you might get an Oscar. You know, you might go a bit serious and, and you know, win over the Academy. So, you know, even better. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you like when actors do this, Dylan? Oh, yeah, who wouldn't, to be honest? A bit of something different. Variety is the spice of life, as we always say. Yeah, and I guess it also might make it better, or people might be excited when you go back to a comedy role after you do a series one for a bit. So, Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Now, we're going to talk about these movies, but just in general, Dylan, what do you think makes it work when a, a comedy actor sort of delves into something more serious? Uh, I don't know. It just might be the fact that uh, you're so taken aback from what they normally do mm. that um, even if it's just pretty good, you're so taken aback that pushes it over to line into greatness, maybe. Mm. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> With the ones that we chose. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, we, I think you chose most of them. No, and no. I want to say you picked the bad one. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll cop that. Um, so we went with Stranger Than Fiction because that was your initial starting off point. Mm. You chose one more. What did you pick, Dylan? <laughs> what did I pick, Lonnie? You picked Steve Jobs, didn't you? That was your choice. I did. I did. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Seth it's been Hagen. a long night. Okay. <laughs> All right. I might have to carry you a bit, eh? Nah, nah. It's fine. I'm back. Woo. Okay. All right. So Stranger Than Fiction and Steve Jobs, both movies you really like? Yes. Love. love. Love, in fact. Yeah. I went down another path. What? You pick shit movies. Okay, come off it. <laughs> I picked two movies I hadn't seen, but I'd always wanted to experience. Uh, One Hour Photo with Robin Williams and The Number 23 with Jim Carrey. Uh, two of the biggest comedy superstars of all time, very much in non-comedic roles. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And that's our lens, isn't it? We're looking at their performance. We'll talk about the movies as well, but look, it's pretty much our lens is, you know, how are these comedic actors doing in these more serious roles? And oh, I've got lots of thoughts. Okay, <laughs> Don't that's know about good. You. <laughs> no, I've got a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, there's going to be spoilers here, so you know, if you haven't seen these movies and you want to, um, yeah, fair warning. Yeah, jump around as you want when talking about one. Go listen to another mm-hmm. one. Do whatever you want to. I haven't really thought much about an order, Dylan, but I've got an order of when I of how I watch them. So maybe would you go through that? I want, to, I want to start with one hour photo. Oh, okay. Right off the bat. Now, are you a Robin Williams fan, Dylan? Oh, I mean, who isn't? Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. One of the greats, as sure, they say. Sure is. Um, and he's probably someone, like, you think of Robin Williams, think of comedy, don't you? Like, fair enough. But he has had a fair few serious roles over the years. Yeah, absolutely. He's done many things, like he's done, uh, obviously, Goodwill Hunting's probably his most famous dramatic role. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done, like, The Fisher King as well. Yeah. Uh, Patch Adams, arguably quite serious as well. Yep, Insomnia, um, mm. the Chris Nolan, uh, Dead Poet Society. Yeah, for sure. Um, in lots of those films, though, I would still probably categorise him as doing something funny, even if it's a serious movie, or more serious than a, you know, out-and-out comedy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Not so much this one. <laughs> no. No, not really anything funny about it in this one, is it? No. Um, I must admit, I didn't know the extent of the subject matter of this film. <laughs> and, yeah, sorry about that, Dylan. I didn't realise. 
I knew the basic premise. I knew it was like a thriller about this guy who, you know, works behind the counter at a you know photo developing shop and gets a bit creepy. That's all I knew. Um, so I guess for this one, we'll put a content warning here for child abuse if that's you know that's something you don't want to listen to. Mm. Uh, take us through the plot, please, sir. Well, basically, it's about this guy, um, Cy, the photo guy, uh, and basically has no friends, no family, um, and just gets obsessed with this family that's been coming to him for years to get their photos developed, pretty much. Yeah, and you're not sure why he's doing it, are you, for a long time in the film? Mm. You think he's just a creep, which he is. Like, let's, let's face it, he's doing things that you shouldn't oh, do as a person. Massive creep. Yeah. I texted you when I was watching it saying I don't condone his actions. <laughs> I'm glad I got that clarification. Because <laughs> if I'd watched it at the end and hadn't gotten that, I would have wondered if you were on board with his actions or not, Lonnie. <laughs> uh, but then, I'm not saying that, you know, the, the revelations that come about the character excuse anything he did, um, but it really it, it sheds a different light on what happens, doesn't it? That final yeah. scene, especially, <clears throat> yeah, the um, climax of the film, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just to explain it, if you, have, if you haven't seen it, um, he gets obsessed with his family, as you said, um, and it gets to the point where he loses his job because he's he kind of he kind of he's off the rails a bit. He's 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 built this family up in his mind as the perfect family, mm. and he kind of seeing himself as their friendly uncle. He's kind of trying to you know fix that hole in his life of of not having friends and family. And he's mm. put these people in. But obviously, he's doing it based on the pictures he develops of them, not the real people who they are. Yeah. Obviously, no one takes pictures of when they're sad or the exactly. worst times in their life. Yeah, totally. And so then he he finds out that the husband is cheating on the wife and he sort of yeah goes in a bit of a spiral about that. And also, he tries to sort of strike up a friendship with the, the kid, with the son. Which is, yeah, very uncomfortable, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he goes to watch his soccer game just out of nowhere mm. and then walks him home. Um, and there's a bit where he, like, ties up his shoes without the kid asking. That was, mm, didn't like that. And, and tries to give him a toy that the kid was looking at at the store. Yeah, just yeah. Not, not good. Mm. Um, and then gets to the point where he, he loses his job and then takes a picture of his, of his boss's kid and sends it to him as, like, a threat. Yeah. That was getting not on. scary, hey? Yeah, not, not on. on. You don't condone that, Lonnie. I do not condone that. Uh, but then to, to sum up the climax of the movie, eventually the police are under him because of that. And then of course. Robin Williams, the character, Cy, has tracked the husband and his mistress to a hotel. And it gets really, really creepy. Probably one of the creepiest things I've seen in a movie in a long time. Yeah, but, I'd say that scene... Uh, and the earlier scene of where he's fantasizing about going into their house while they're not home, mm. and especially that shot of where he's doing a shit on their toilet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that just got to me. I was like, oh no! Mm. So it gets to the point where he has sort of barged into the room where the husband and the mistress are, mm. and then he starts posing them for photos, and he's taking pictures of them, mm. and yeah, putting them in kind of very. Um, yeah, provocative sexual positions, sexual images, yeah. yeah. Um, and then he, and I think he, he hits them a bit too, doesn't he? Like, it's good, a bit very violent and very psychologically yeah. violent as well. And threatens him with a knife and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he tries to escape and then um, 
from the hotel but gets caught and he just says all I did was take pictures. Mm. So then he's being um, interrogated by the police after this and um, he sort of basically reveals that, well, it's very much alluded to and I don't think there's any other way to read the scene but no. he himself was abused as a child and it seemed like he was enacting that abuse in what he was doing with this this couple. Is that that's how you read it too? Yeah, I, I had a look online. Um, mm. There's some people theorizing that like he might have just been making that up just to get sympathy from the cops, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it seemed pretty genuine from his acting mm. anyway. One the one wrinkle there though is that he talks to the cop and, and it says that kind of alludes to the fact that you know his childhood might have been been that way. And then he asks the cop for the pictures that he took mm. and the cop gives it to him. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? And then he looks at the pictures, but they're just of like sort of banal images of the hotel room, like, you know, of the, the shower curtain, that sort of thing. Yeah. And taps are in the hotel. Mm. Yeah. And lamps. And that just links, random back, shit. links back to an earlier monologue of size where he talks about how you don't take pictures of the things that you know, aren't happy moments. You just take pictures of, never take pictures of just regular things around the house, that sort of thing. Yeah. So here's my question, Dylan. How did you read that final scene? Was everything else before that a fantasy? Were these the pictures he took? Or, as someone online I read said, was when he was taking the pictures of them in those sexual poses, was he not taking the actual picture, but it's like making the flash flash? What, what do you think? Yeah, he's probably just screwing with their heads, I think. Mm. Um, either that or it didn't happen. Because I didn't go back and watch it, but when he enters the room, um, like he kind of smashes the door in and hits the lady in the head and mm. she gets a head wound. Yeah. Uh, apparently someone said that when she was in the shower, like all creeped out and everything, she didn't have the head wound. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that could be a goof or it could be <laughs> something <laughs> that does allude to maybe what we saw was not exactly what actually transpired. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really stayed with me, this film, but Ooh. I kind of apologise for bringing this into your life, Dylan. I, I thought it might have been more of a, I don't know, a thriller that didn't go into such, you know, d dark places, you know what I mean? No, it's <clears throat> still a great movie um, mm -hmm. and great performance by Robin. Yeah, and very much underplaying everything, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I just think the fact that, you got one of, if not the most charming man in the history of Hollywood. <laughs> um, and just the fact that he can deliver such a you know, convincingly creepy performance of this basically stalker, this obsessed stalker, mm. just, you know, speaks volumes about his acting ability. I I'm sure it's not news to anyone. Like, hey, everyone, guess what? Robin Williams is actually a really good actor. <laughs> you know, grass is green too. I get it. Yeah. But like, you know, this is next level stuff. Well, he's so committed, isn't he? I think that, yeah. that speaks to what makes this film work and what makes the next film not work so much is that... Ooh! <laughs> bit rough. Robin Williams is totally committed to it. And it's like he knew what movie we're going to be making here and he's like, all right, if this film's going to work, I've got to be like this. Even though, you know, I'm very much the, you know, the funniest guy alive, I'm not going to do any of that to make yeah. this film work. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You gonna say something? <laughs> no, 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 no just, I'm just, I'm, 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 <laughs> making fun of me in front of everyone, Lonnie. 
Take it out, don't worry. Nah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, this might also talk about like the effective mood that's created by the film and like the bright fluoro lights inside the shop that they, they work in. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of makes this otherworldly place, which I guess, you know, a big Walmart is, isn't it anyway? Um, uh, save Mart, Lonnie. Well, actually, it's written Sav Mart, so that kind of annoyed me. <laughs> don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. It, it did it did me as well. But, that you know, that's all right. I guess I couldn't fine. afford any product placement. I'm assuming that's not a real place. Yeah, I think it's just standing in for the Walmart or the Big W yeah. or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, yeah, it's very much the film is all about, you know, the grass is always greener and the ideal family is never ideal under the surface. And also thinking, you know, if we take it as, as truthful that he had that childhood trauma, kind of like you know trauma doesn't isn't just one act it's something that spreads out from that and can spread out to your whole life yeah 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 absolutely and yeah obviously he hasn't made any connections with people over the years yeah yeah and it's all in the little things in his performance as well like you know staying behind too long after finishing talking to someone or as i mentioned before tying up the kid's shoes without him asking it's just yeah just creepy stuff yeah, and like they ask for photos printed a certain size, but he gives them the better ones they didn't ask for. So, yeah, too too much, mate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm not rushing back to see it. I'll, I'll say that it's um, but it was very good. At the same. Time. Yeah, yeah, very. Um, our friend Roger Ebert was a fan. <laughs> of course, he was. Yeah, three and a half stars. Um, he he praised Robin's performance as we did, and. Mm-hmm. He also said the cinematography was was um especially effective. Um, yeah. One, th- one thing I might say, Dylan, it's you know, not so much this film because of the way the character <laughs> is depicted and portrayed, but I think it's interesting sometimes to see films that are about people in kind of mundane settings. Sure. You know, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. just a film about you know, a superhero or rich person or like a high powered attorney. It's kind of interesting to see the lives of people who aren't, you know, aren't flashy and out there and you know, good to see peek behind the surface. Um, not that I, you know, condone any of the actions that this character did. No, you don't, do you, Lonnie? You That's said what? specifically to me. Yeah. You think he's creepy and you don't condone his actions? For the record, yes. For the record, absolutely. Lonnie does not approve. No, don't do it. <laughs> don't be creepy, I think you said. Don't yeah, be yeah. creepy, Robin. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> easy. It's a choice. It's also my choice, Dylan. To pick the number 23. All right, we're going with this next, aren't we? Okay. I thought we'd just get out of the way and we can move on to the good ones. <laughs> now, for some reason, Dylan, I've got this memory of one of my cousins being really into this film when it came out. <laughs> okay. And, like, I think I, you know, have um, Mandela affected this memory into my brain, but I do remember him talking about it a lot. And so whenever I've thought about this film, which admittedly, not very often... Well, sure. I was like, oh, yeah, that's one that um, Andy liked. <laughs> I don't okay. know why. That connection's in my brain, like, hardwired there forever. <laughs> right, it is. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So you didn't like it then? I wasn't a huge fan, Dylan. I think, I don't know if I wasn't, didn't like it. I just um, didn't understand it. Oh. <laughs> or uh-huh. didn't understand why it happened. <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. So, Jim Carrey. He's gone down the serious path a few times. Um. And I think maybe like he's made you know three really good performances in more serious roles, and never got an Oscar. So did that turn him make him go mad? You reckon? <laughs> like <laughs> Truman Show, Eternal Sunshine, 
Man in the Moon, like, you know, these are all films that are carried by him doing something more than his regular shtick. Mm. And then, yeah, Academy's like, no thanks. <laughs> so he's like, all right, then we're going to make the worst film ever made. No, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I, I didn't mind it. You didn't uh, mind it? Okay. Why? I don't know. <laughs> just, I didn't think anything was horrible about it. Like, yeah, it's interesting enough. Uh, it twisted and turned a bit, you know? Yeah, the first, um, like, half an hour, I was like, well, this is not too bad. I think just the twist upon twists kind of got me towards the end. Okay. So okay. What, what's it about, though, Dylan? If you haven't heard about number 23. Um... I mean, it's in the title. It's about the number 23, Lonnie. And this guy getting obsessed with it, Jim Carrey's character. Is it uh, Walter, was it? I can't remember. I don't know. He's a dog catcher. I know that. <laughs> it odd. Oh, it's a job as much as any other one. No, I'm just saying Jim Carrey is a dog catcher. I was like, oh, I don't know if this works for me. But he's been Ace Ventura pet detective a little bit yeah, of that. That's fine though. That that makes sense. That's fine to me. So. Well, I'm just saying, slight connection, you yeah, know. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Like he finds this book. Um, it's called the Number Twenty Three, and the more he reads it, he starts finding similarities between that and his life as well. Mm. Um, and then obviously just starts seeing the number twenty three everywhere, and just yeah, descends deeper and deeper into madness as we go along. So this is a real thing, apparently. Like some people do become obsessed with number twenty-three. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Enigma. Yeah, but like it's not true though, is it? It's just like you can find anything, blink anything, if you try hard oh, enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you look harder, like they like. What was the explanation they used for pink? It was like it's four letters. Each letter is like a specific number in the alphabet. You minus it by this number, you get twenty-three. <laughs> And that was like three quarters of the 23 references pretty much. Yeah. It was actually, it almost bordered on farce for me and like almost like a you know, a comedy sketch. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like some points are like 32. What's 32 reversed? <gasps> 23. <laughs> and like you know, you're doing 46. Off what's 46 divided by two? <gasps> it's 23. Yeah. So it's, it's funny that number 23... Is there something about the number or the fact that it's, you know, this movie's made about it? You kind of do think, oh, it's a bit, a bit special or something because it could be any number, couldn't it, that you could tie this to? Yeah, definitely. Any yeah. number you want you can look for in the world. You'll see it enough. Mm. I, I kind of, I thought there was potential and also mm. didn't hate it, really. It just no. got to the point where I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but I should have known it was going to be, you know, bad. Firstly, because, it... you know... 8% or Rotten Tomatoes or something. Secondly, though, Dylan, is because we had to pay for it on YouTube. It's never a good sign this podcast, is it? The ones we have to they get the most effort into always end up disappointing us. It's sad. And also, there's a third reason, Lonnie. What's that? Don't want to throw too much shade, but who is the director? Yeah, Mr. Joel Schumacher. He's hit and miss, isn't he? he? When he hits, he hits pretty well, but then these misses. He misses hard. Yeah. I think I was reading it was his last um, theatrically released film. Fair enough. Man yeah. in the Coffin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then just went on to direct episodes of TV here and then, I guess. Yeah, he passed away a couple of years ago, which is um, last year. Oh, did he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's gone. Oh, no. Yeah. He's gone. Oh, no. Yeah. Bit rough. Yeah. It happens to us all, Dylan. It does. It does. He did make Batman Forever, though. And it's, you know. 
personal favourite of mine from childhood. Yeah. So Falling Down is a great movie. The Lost Boys. Pretty good. A lot, a lot of people like The Lost Boys. That is yeah. right. That is yeah. right. <laughs> Back to this one, though, in our lens of Jim Carrey. Mm. He's having fun, isn't he? I think. Uh, oh, you know, he's, he's doing as well as can be expected yeah. from the man. And I think the weird thing for me, though, is that for the most part, he's still playing the sort of usual Jim Carrey vibe. Yeah, yeah, and especially in, like... Because when he reads the book initially, he's, like, imagining the people and himself in the roles of the characters in the book. Mm. Um, So when he's, like, playing the detective in the book, it kind of seems like he's giving, like, a performance that he would give on SNL in, like, a detective skit parody. (laughs) I know what you mean. Yeah. And just throughout the whole film, like, compared to the other actors that we've picked here who sort of are playing against type or underplaying it to for the character mm. kind of seems like they've just tried to smush jim carrey into this film when into a thriller fit. psychological yeah. thriller yeah, yeah yeah but he can do great comedy he can do great drama i think he kind of falls back into comedy though i've actually read this one so you know don't have a source for it i apologize mm. but no no apologize again <laughs> i'm very sorry dylan well okay I'll, I'll give this to you. I think it's true. Okay. When they were doing Tell Sunshine the Spotless Mind, um, mm. what they realized is that after a few takes, he would get funnier and funnier. And mm. so <laughs> I, th- I think they were like, you know, we've only got a couple takes to, to get him <laughs> serious because he just starts hamming it up. <laughs> the goofiness just comes out. Yeah. I think that's true. It. I don't know if that is actually true, but something it like sounds that. Sounds fair enough. Yeah. Because mm. he is a bit, bit mad, isn't he? Yeah. And looking up other series roles he's done, he's done like a whole bunch in the last, you know, 10 years I've never heard of and no one else has, it seems. Yeah, I, I think I've watched one. It was like, he goes to like a theatre in a small town. Um, I think me and mum rented it one time and it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, he, like, he hasn't been anything big recently, has he? Apart from like Sonic, Sonic. the Hedgehog. Yeah, back oh, off. Okay. I didn't know I was here with the world's biggest Sonic fan. Oh, I love Sonic, mate. Oh, Not the movie specifically, but the video games. Oh, big part of my childhood. Okay. <laughs> Sorry you're not cultured enough. <laughs> but you're not on board the world's fucking coolest hedgehog, man. I watched the movie The Cinema, and for a while there, Dylan, it was almost the last film I ever saw in a cinema because of COVID. <laughs> What, what an accolade that would have been yeah, for what, it. What a way to go, eh? Hey? <laughs> the last movie Lonnie ever saw at the cinema. Sonic <laughs> the Hedgehog. So, I don't know. I'm not, not sure if Jim Carrey was the right pick here or whether they just didn't harness energy in the right way. Mm. Bit of a mess, though. Um, yeah. Critics, Dylan, you'd be surprised to hear they were not, not interested at all. Well, you did say 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and Roger didn't even review it. So, oh no! I think he was sick on his TV show, but still. I've got a quote here from Peter Travers, famous <laughs> Rolling Stone film reviewer. Mm. There's a mess of things wrong with this suspense thriller, starting with the fact that it's neither, neither suspenseful nor thrilling. <laughs> Harsh. Got him. Um, and then there's a commenter on the underneath that on the website. Get one star. They said, "If I could give it negative stars, I would." <laughs> See, that's really rough. I like out of five, I'd probably give it a two. 
Yeah. Okay. Like, it's not unwatchable. No. <laughs> Thanks. Well, <laughs> Thanks for agreeing. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same boat. But there's probably other things I recommend first. Yeah. All right, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely not the go-to psychological thriller. No, no, no. No way. At least now, though, I can kind of, I can fill that gap in my mind of, yeah, I understand what Andy was on about when he... Do you, though? Well, mate, I think he might have actually been a bit more into it, the whole enigma. Ironically, or did he actually love it? I don't know. We're probably teenagers when this happened, so who knows what was really going mm. on. Who knows? Who can remember what we liked as teenagers, Lonnie? Huh. The things good. we would have been into. No, oh. we were very good. Dylan, we have great taste, and we still do. Okay, we're perfect. Okay, are you? Including Didn't want to say the, it out loud, but well, if you're saying it. I think we've got to put it out there. It's about mm-hmm. time. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, speaking of good taste, Dylan, your pick for this uh, series was Stranger Than Fiction. Mate, one of the greats, isn't it? It is really, I think, one of the best films that I've seen. Oh, mate, I agree. It's one of my mum's faves. Um thought it was her fave for a while until she hit me with the bombshell last year that Shawshank Redemption is apparently her favourite movie. Uh, never saw her watch it once. <laughs> but, you know, she can, she can say whatever she wants. Mum, I still right, don't mate. believe you. I still don't believe you, Mum. I know I never saw you watch it when I was a kid. I saw you watch this 50 million times and Kill Bill. Never once saw you watch Shawshank. Don't you lie to me. Okay, well, your mum hasn't steered us wrong, Dylan, on this podcast, so <sighs> all bangers from, from my perspective. Now, Will Ferrell, he's probably had a few fewer serious roles than the other actors on this list. I can't uh, even think of another serious role that he's done, not that I've seen anyway. Well, there's one called Everything Must Go. Well, I haven't seen it myself. No, haven't seen that. Um, haven't even heard of it. What's yeah. it about? I think he's like some guy who's depressed who tries to sell everything that he owns. Oh, okay, sure. That's yeah, all I yeah. know from, like, cultural osmosis. I don't really... I haven't seen it myself. No, that's all right. Yeah, it's not very good, apparently. Unlike this oh, film, no. which is an absolute delight, isn't it? Oh. Someone say masterpiece, Lonnie. Now, it just works on every level. Okay, Dylan, what if someone listening right now hasn't seen Stranger Than Fiction? What are you going to tell them about the movie? Well, it's about this guy called Harold Crick. Um, He's just, like... Probably the most generic office worker, boring working guy of all time. Uh, And then just one morning, he just starts hearing this internal dialogue about someone narrating his life. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really great concept, isn't it? It's very out there. And that's probably why it appeals to me. I love those weird, strange movies. Mm -hmm. They do something different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's just bizarre. And... It's got a banging cast as well, doesn't it? So it's got Will Ferrell, obviously. Mm-hmm. Got Maggie Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. as his love interest in the film. Um, I think their chemistry is great, by the way. Yeah, and I've seen some people online weren't as into that, but I thought Ooh. I thought it was great. And the love story in particular, they were like, "Oh, you know, generic love story." Like, I don't think it's that bad. I think it's great. Oh. No, because she's a uh, she's a baker that he has to audit because <laughs> he mm. works for the IRS. Mm. Um, so it's a funny way to start a relationship, but you know it's 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 got sweet stuff as part of it. Like he sings her a song, he brings her flowers at one point, but it's yeah. actually just different types of baking flowers. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. 
Mate, yeah. No, love their chemistry. Um, you also got Dustin Hoffman. Hello. One of his best roles, I think. Ooh. You reckon? Especially in his later career, at least, yeah. Yeah, well, what else is he doing? Meet the Fockers. <laughs> <laughs> Which he's good into, to yeah, be honest. That's that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he's great in this because what's he like a um, literary professor, pretty much? Yeah. So, what Will Ferrell comes to realize he goes to see a real therapist who won't apparently. Help <laughs> and he's like, "You're just crazy." Yeah, you got schizophrenia, pretty much. Yeah. So he's like, "But like, what if it wasn't schizophrenia?" <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, "Maybe the problem isn't yeah psychological. Maybe it's literary." So he has to go get help from a literary professor. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. And let's not forget the person delivering the monologue. Hello. Writing the book of his Hello. life. Only Emma Thompson. <laughs> one, one of the, the greats. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, great cast and a very gentle film. You know, I've seen it a few times. I'm very happy to return to it, Dylan. And just, mm. it's a very beautiful film, isn't it? About, you know, living a happy and full life. It, yeah. You know, people talk about heartwarming stuff. I think this one really does warm your heart, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because um, basically, yeah, the premise is that um, he finds out that he's in a tragedy, pretty much, and that the author of the book always kills off their main characters. Um, and basically, he just like turns his life around, stops being a boring office worker, does whatever he wants to do, starts mm-hmm. playing guitar, mm-hmm. you know, does whatever he wants. Yeah, he opens himself up because I think he's been living a life where he hasn't been doing that, and yeah nothing that really much to speak of in his life. He could he could die with without anyone knowing or caring really. And then once he decides that he has to do something different, once he hears that his death is imminent, you know, he's got to find out that opening himself up to other people is the only way to live a good life. Mm. Let's face it, Dylan. Being alive sucks. Being alive sucks? Yeah. But oh. there's a one way to make it better. And that's by having friends and loved ones and, you know, Having cookies with the, the hot girl who works at the... <laughs> the hot baker. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and doing your best in life. When I, I get the real sense that Harold Crick was spending a long a, you know, majority of his life just sort of living and just getting by rather than living life to the fullest. And that's not like, you know, get doing crazy stuff or, you know, taking on huge adventures. It's just like, yeah, trying to experience things and have friends and loved ones. Yeah, trying stuff you've always been curious about, you know. Mm. Because I think once he feels like he hears that he's going to die soon, he's like, oh, well, well, what have I done? Almost nothing, so. Yeah, well, that's, what Dustin, that's what Dustin Hoffman says to him. He's mm. like, just live your life, you know. Mm. If you know you're going to die, yeah. you need 50 million pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I to say, Dylan. There's a scene in this film. I've seen it probably three or four times. Mm. The one scene always surprises me, and that's when his house gets like bulldozed. <laughs> Every time I'm like, "Oh yeah, this bit." <laughs> I don't, no, know, great. don't know if that says about me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but no, great stuff. But what about Will's Ferrell? Will Ferrell's performance in particular? Well, Dylan, he's probably known for him you know, playing a big man child in lots of his yeah. roles. Yeah, not here. He's really no honest. very. Yeah, very understated. Yeah. Mm. Um, bordering on dull, but it kind of rides that line between dull and interesting. Yeah. Um, which, you know, he's meant to be a generic boring office worker at the start. So, mm. of course, that's what he's going to be acting like. Yeah, I think he could... He's the sort of guy who his performance 
was going to make or break this, like, because he's the main character, mm. actor, actor, whatever. Yeah. But it's they, they've pulled him right back. They've dialed him right down to one or two, haven't they, when he's normally given us a, a 10 as Ricky Bobby or whatever. So, <laughs> Ron yeah. Burgundy. That, that's what makes it yeah. work, hey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's fantastic. Can't praise him enough. Wish he'd do more serious roles. Yeah, I feel that. Mm. Uh, we should talk about what? the ending. So, like, Ooh. the film begins with him hearing this monologue and eventually it says, little does he know he's going to die soon. I think it's a bit mm. better written than that, but <laughs> that's the impression he gets. Little does he know that soon he's going to die. Yeah. And then he's got to try and find out, you know, what do I do? I'm going to die soon. I need to stop this. And then, you know, spoiler alert, eventually he gets to the point where he meets the author of the, of his life. Yeah, he tracks her down. Yeah. So what yeah. do you think? I know it's a fable, Dylan. It's like a, you know, it's all a bit of a metaphysical thing or whatever. But if you think about it, just trying to work out how this actually works, did oh. how does she create him? Like, what's the going on? No, there? I don't. I don't think you should delve too much into it. <laughs> if you start thinking about the logic of it and everything, it's <laughs> asked to fall well, apart. Just a bit. for a second, Dylan. Just for a second. Uh, okay. Do you think that when she starts writing, is it she's got some magical powers or something that that makes him alive in the past as well up to this point or uh you know how i would justify it if you were to put me on the spot which i guess you are at the moment <laughs> i would say that like um up to that point he was you know living his life he had already been lived and she's kind of focusing in on this character that she thinks she's created yeah. but he's actually already existed and from a certain point in time to another certain point in time she controls his life also, don't think about it because it doesn't matter. But no, yes, don't, don't. I think I yeah. think that that's probably true. And actually, I don't know if it's just the way it's presented in the film or whether it's actually happening to him as a character. But at a certain point, it's like when she's actually writing, it seems like that's what controlling or reflecting only when what she's she, doing. Only when she types it up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she can write stuff on, you know, pencil and paper, and that mm. doesn't that's not set in stone, mm. which she does at some point because she writes the end where he does die. Um, and he angel. actually gets to read it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to get to that. Mm. Um, it, it's kind of funny in some ways, like he reads his life story almost, or yeah, maybe not like from, you know, from being born to where he is now, but he gets someone who's like written all about him, which is not something you generally get to happen in your life. Does it that you can no. <laughs> get an insight to yourself like that? Um, and it ended him dying. And he's like, has to resign himself to that fact because as everyone keeps telling him the book is a masterpiece. Yeah. And his death is what makes it so. Yeah, and he he agrees. He thinks it is fantastic and he yeah, he accepts that he's gonna die and that was his destiny and he was gonna go forward with it. It's very emotional. It is. And every time Dylan again I'm like, oh yeah, it's when he dies, isn't it? But then <laughs> I'm gonna read the line out because I love it so much. Sure. When she's explaining why she doesn't actually kill him in the end. Mm. Um Emma Thompson says, because it's a book about a man who doesn't know he's about to die and then dies. But if the man does know he's going to die and dies anyway, dies willingly, knowing he could stop it, then, I mean, isn't that the type of man you want to keep alive? Mm. Yes. So good. Poignant. So good. Beautiful, Lonnie. Beautiful. Fantastic movie. 10 out of 10, I would give it. Oh, there you go. There you go, Dylan. Thank you for bringing it back into my life. I'm not for you though, Dylan. 
From the movie or from Roger Ebert? Roger Ebert. <laughs> Good. All right. Go on, then. It's a bit long, but I think it really sums it up, okay? Sure. Sure. Stranger Than Fiction is a meditation on life, art, and romance, and on the kinds of responsibility we have. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. It's so audible. Please don't edit that out. I apologise. Do you enter Roger? Oh, Can good on you. Haven't had brekkie this morning, mate. I've had, I've had an apple. You don't like brekkie, though, do you? I, I and careful. this is what you get, an interruption to the pod. Yeah, you blame me, man. <laughs> I'm going to carry on with Roger's quote, okay? <laughs> Try to, yeah. Such an uncommonly intelligent film does not often get made. It could have pumped up its emotion to blockbuster level, but that would have been false to the premise, which requires us to enter the lives of these specific, quiet, sweet, worthy people. The ending is a compromise, but it isn't the movie's compromise. It belongs entirely to the characters and is their decision, and that made me smile. How many stars did he give it? I think he gave it three and a half. Guess that'll do. Yeah. Nothing's perfect in Roger's book, is it? <laughs> I wonder what he did give. I'll just, I'll just check. Has he given anything four stars, Lonnie? He's done a few four stars in the past. Nah, can't be. There's no way. No, three and a half of that. But like, come on. That's a good quote, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a lovely quote. Lovely yeah. quote. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Now, Dylan, our last film today. Mm. Before we get into it, why were you so down on this before you watched it again? <laughs> why would you keep messaging me saying you're hating having to watch Steve Jobs? It's a great movie, Dylan. Why are we so worried? Um, for everyone who doesn't know, <laughs> Lonnie is outright lying. <laughs> this was him to me when I suggested Steve Jobs because Steve Jobs is actually one of my favourite movies ever. And I get messages from Lonnie saying, oh, I have to watch Steve Jobs. <laughs> About to watch Steve Jobs. Mm. What would you say afterwards, Lonnie? I think I said about two minutes in, oh, this is a great movie actually, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're a bloody little menace. I'm moving past. Sorry about that. <laughs> and Okay, so I saw this a few years ago and I liked it. I thought it was mm. great. Um, then I think... You know, comparing it to Stranger Things, which I remember really liking, and then the other two films that I hadn't seen, I was like, you know, it's cool to see a new movie. I was like, oh, okay, Steve Jobs, I feel I have to watch again, you know? Why were you comparing it to Stranger Things? 
Oh, the Stranger Than Fiction, sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. My, my apologies. <laughs> I was like, hmm, what's the three line here? <laughs> no, my, my apologies. So, you know, a minute into it though, Dylan, I was kicking myself because it's a terrific film and it really does grab you from the get-go, doesn't it? It does, it does. It's very unique in its presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about the structure where it's like basically just takes place... Um, just before three different product launches of Steve Jobs' career. Yeah, I loved it. I thought that was a really interesting way to approach it. Um, Like, you know, on this podcast, my thoughts on biopics are well known. Um, I'm not a fan when they make changes for no reason, which happens here. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Lots paid up for the movies. Yeah, the film is pretty much a big F you to history and what actually occurred. (laughs) Kind of, yeah, yeah. But it's true, the essence of history and... The way it's structured in that sense of it's you know th- three big scenes almost, yeah. Before three big product launches, like half an hour before each one, almost in real time each scene, yeah. Um, it's kind of like a what if, you know, what if all these people that were important to Steve Jobs come to annoy him <laughs> just before his, his product launch? Well, they even call that out at some point too, which is kind of self-referential. Yeah. Um, because during the third one, he's like. Oh. Just feels like everyone has to fucking come and complain and tell me what they really think about me right before a product launch. Yeah. So, like, the way I think about it in biopics, I think I've said this before, it's like, if you're not going to be true to real life, may as well do something fun with it. Which they do. Yeah. And, and it still feels true to the essence of history. And that's what people, you know, who yeah. were aware of him in real life think that too. So Yeah. True to the character of Steve Jobs. Yes. Yeah. But yes, these films didn't occur, these events didn't occur the way they are presented necessarily. No. no. And sometimes they might even be made up altogether. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, yeah, great movie though, wasn't it? Yeah, fantastic. Because Aaron Sorkin wrote it, is that right? That's right. And um, you know, he gets a bit of backlash these days, but you can't deny he's a great writer, can you? Oh, mate, this is one of the best scripts ever, honestly. And it's wall-to-wall dialogue, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty much all you can work with in a Steve Jobs movie, isn't it? <laughs> but it, it? But it's a lean-in film, isn't it? You really want to come in and, and experience it and get closer. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, I think it was Kevin Smith that said it's like it's basically paced like an action movie mm. or a thriller movie. Um, but, yeah, it's just about Steve Jobs just launching three different products throughout his life. Yeah, and there's all these showdowns, basically, like almost like yeah, fight scenes with him, but he's, his combat style is dialogue. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess the other thing that I wasn't looking that maybe kind of made me be a bit funny and being like, oh, I don't want to watch it again, was that I'm not a huge Steve Jobs fan, you know? Like, oh. I don't buy into the hagiography of him as a person and don't really care about apple products you know they're fine but i'm not like a huge fanboy or anything mm, yeah are, are you like that dylan are you hugely into him as a person or just this film that you like no just this film mm. um it's basically comes down to the direction the acting and the writing like you call him anything else <laughs> i'd love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough yeah uh so seth rogan is your choice of the comedy actor here dylan yeah, what's, you know, he plays Steve Wozniak. Yeah, the Woz. The Woz, that's right, that's right. And I think from looking into Seth Rogen's filmography, it's probably his most serious role. Like, yeah, Donnie Darko when he was younger, but only in a few scenes, not really his movie, you know. Mm. Apart from that, pretty much all comedies. Like, some of them may be a bit lighter or 
or more serious, but I think this would be the only one you'd probably call a, a real serious movie. Yeah, yeah, right, serious role. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And even then, it's quite funny in parts too. So, but you know, yeah, the tone is serious. So. Yeah, at, at the start, it's it's funnier. Um, mm. But that's what's great about it. So throughout the three product launches, like to start with, Wozniak's very happy-go-lucky, very kind and nice. Um, the next one, he's a bit upset with Steve, but still on good terms. And then by the third one, he's just like, you're a piece of shit. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> does a good job, doesn't he? Like for someone yeah. who's not known for being in these series films, he, he's really the heartbeat, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's fantastic and it's very serious. And if you can hold your own against Michael Fassbender, yeah, mate, you're doing pretty well. Michael Fassbender, who's like on screen every single minute and is talking pretty much in this like intense sort of energy across the whole film, and you're going toe to toe with him. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially in that last scene he's in, pretty much where they're just like basically yelling at each other. Yeah, in, in the crowded the... hall. Yeah. Yeah, around all the workers and employees and the press, even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that great line from, from Seth Rogen where he says, yeah, it's not binary. You can be decent and gifted, which is kind of the question of the film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, basically. basically. And even that line earlier in their, their second argument, I mean, the second product launch where, um, so Seth Rogen's was, has been talking shit about, um, Steve Jobs in the press kind of been sent out by the company because Steve Jobs was fired by them. Yeah, yeah. And then, but then, yeah, Steve Jobs, Michael Fassbender's like, yeah, it's all right. You get you get a free line, a free pass for life. Yeah. And Seth's like, oh, what? So you get to decide? <laughs> yeah, you give out the passes? Yeah. yeah. You give them to me? Yeah. <laughs> and the other line, which I think the character of Steve Jobs thinks is a great compliment where he says, you know, you're on the orchestra, you're in the second row and you're the best person in there, but you know, I'm the guy who's leading the orchestra. I'm the conductor and I, I play the, play you all. Ooh, man, that's such a weird way to look at your life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and there's that, as I, I sent it to you, I don't know if you watched it, there's that great Bill Burr bit yeah. about how he doesn't bind at the hype of Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs is pretty much like, I want my whole music collection. In my phone. Get to work. Yeah, make it happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think, and that's actually one of the monologues that Steve, that sorry, Seth Rogen has. It's like, what did you do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't program. You can't write code. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else designed the box. Yeah. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> Just yelled at everybody to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. basically, basically. <laughs> Obviously, there's more nuanced stuff to what Steve Jobs does. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think was even in real life. I've seen some interviews about how he felt Seth's performance was in the movie in general. He's like, yeah, that's it was great. I thought he did a great job and basically he understands that obviously you need to change some stuff up for cinema and mm. movies to make it more exciting. But he was pretty much like, no, I would never say that kind of stuff to Steve. I always knew his value in the company. So, yeah, yeah, totally. And it seems like they sort of, they were the guys who first started together. You do have that connection throughout your life. Um, I think I read a story about, about them together. I think where Steve Jobs was working at Atari, have you heard this one? Where no. he was told, he was given a job to like, I don't know exactly what it was, but it's like remove different bulbs or different circuits on this particular um, device that they were making. And mm. for every circuit he was able to, whatever it was, I don't have very good technology, but 
everything that he was able to remove, he was going to get paid a bonus. And Steve Jobs was like, wasn't clever enough to do it. So he went to the was <laughs> and was like, we'll split the profits, right? You know, we'll do it together and then um, I'll get the money because it's my company, but it's my job, but, you know, we'll do it together and I'll pay you. And they did a really good job of it. Was did all this great work, but then Steve didn't give him all the money that he was owed. Ooh. <laughs> Screw him over. Oh, no. Yeah. Bit dodgy. Bit dodgy. And that's on Wikipedia. So on Was's Wikipedia if you want to look into Ooh. it more. Well. So what do you think of the film being set behind stage? Were you stressed out, Dylan? Like, we only got like half an hour before this, we're all going live and he's yelling oh, at yeah. to make it better. Yeah, and you're constantly being reminded that, um, you know, we're on stage soon, we're on stage soon. Yeah. And obviously, um, I suppose in the first one especially, uh, there was stuff going wrong technically with the demo for, was it the Macintosh? Yeah, to say hello, yeah. Yeah, and they couldn't get to say hello. Um, <laughs> and eventually they just kind of just uh, be a bit deceptive with it. <laughs> yeah, they cheated on it, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they basically lied and got it to work on a different program or system or something like that. Well, that brings me to my other favourite line of the film is Michael um, Silberg as Andy Hertzfeld, another one of the beating hearts He's, of the film. Yeah, he was great, yeah. Isn't he yeah. great? Yeah. Where he says, you know, we've got 20 minutes, we can't fix this. And Steve Jobs says to him, no, you had three weeks to do this. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, God made the, the whole universe in, in one third of that time. And <laughs> you know what it is, aren't you, Dylan? Yeah. Yeah. Andy Hersfeld says, well, some someday you have to tell us how you did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great one. Great one. Terrific. So, yeah, the idea of it being set behind stage just before a, a show, um, I find it stressful, but it's quite interesting because, like, lots of energy and buzz going on. Mm. And I, I, know I put shows on, I've been part of things that, you know, putting on a, an event, um, it is quite exciting and very stressful. So uh, I like the energy that was put So captured it accurately. Yeah, I think so. Not that I was putting on a, you know, product <laughs> launch for Apple, but, you know. In your world, you were, Lonnie. Yeah, comparatively, I was kind yeah. of doing that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the film being set in such a sort of strange... Um, structure like does not generally have films a set in three massive scenes with flashbacks throughout and it's you know the main guy just being addicted to everybody like that's not how films are generally made or written <laughs> no but the thing that i think about a lot of with screenwriting and filmmaking is like if it works it works like that's the rule you need to follow not some arbitrary you know structure or or hero's journey or something it's just like yeah that can work if it works it's good but if it doesn't and something else does work that's fine as well. Yeah, proud with that. Absolutely. What did you think of the relationship between Steve Jobs and his daughter, Lisa? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was good. Obviously, that's probably the main focus of the film, I guess. Yeah, um, apart from all the bells and whistles of the product launch, that's kind of yeah, undercurrent, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's a good evolution of their relationship. Like on the during the first product launch, he basically dismisses her entirely and says that he's not her father outright to her mm. um when he he is basically he knows he is too yeah yeah for sure yeah um and then during the second one he's kind of getting on board with him being a father but you know also still kind of distant as well mm. and then by the third one he's getting upset about decisions she's making like a father would yeah um and then eventually obviously they reconcile at the end of the film and uh he kind of breaks his uh own rules to spend some more time with her because he's yeah. always like 
has to be on time with every product launch and then by the end she's like you're going to be late he's like i don't care very yeah. sweet moment i've seen some people talk about that final scene being a bit yeah, over sentimental or something but i think you need to have it because that's a thing. oh he's been a prick the whole movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need that definitely you need that catharsis there with, with the daughter um something I, I picked up on this time watching it Dylan, and i thought it was really interesting i think it's especially the second um, act where he talks to her but also in the first act a bit not so much the third act but he does this weird thing of talking to her like not as if she's a kid mm. he just talks to her as if she's an adult and like maybe just like a person not his daughter at all yeah i just thought that was really interesting because you know everyone else was like you know hi sweetie why don't you come over here and we'll go look at the big computer <laughs> yeah and he just like chats to her normally and even like even aggressively you might say yeah so you can kind of pick up, there's maybe a few, you know, screws loose in his brain about that. But also I guess he's trying to like not talk to her as if he's, as if she's his child. He's just like someone he knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's obviously a very, he's a, he's a character. We'll put it like that. Mm. Um, especially there's this one bit like at the start, um, where was it? Chris Ian, I think her name mm. was, um, the mother of his daughter. She's basically like, we're going on welfare and you're worth like billions of dollars. Yeah, <laughs> How yeah, do you yeah. feel? And he's like, well, you know, Apple, you know, we donate computers to schools all the time. <laughs> and she's like, "How is that an answer to my question? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It is really great. Throughout the whole film, there's great dialogue and great character moments revealed through dialogue like that, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, it's just... Terrific, Dylan. I don't know why you're so down. Mm, good one. Good one. Why, why were you being... I wasn't, and you know I wasn't. Admit you were wrong, Lonnie. <laughs> Just admit it. If you haven't seen Steve Jobs, which unfortunately not many people have because it bombed the box office and hasn't really had much staying well, power. I wouldn't did the it. Ashton Kutcher one come out first or did this one? Yeah, Ashton Kutcher came out in 2013, and he passed and this, away in 2011. So maybe people by 2015, people are like, oh yeah, we've we've done that, been there, you know. And it was bad, by the way, the Ashton Kutcher. Oh, one. I haven't seen that. Oh yeah, no, it's terrible. No good. Okay. And that's probably why people didn't go to see this. Or like, mm, how interesting can it be about Steve Jobs? Turns yeah. out very. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there's lots of things about his life that they don't touch upon, which I think could have been interesting. Like his involvement with Pixar. Um, yeah, he had a, a wife eventually and other kids, which could have been cool. And and that doesn't go into his um you know, the two thousands of watching the iPod and um and the iPhone and you know his illness later on too. Which you know, not saying I want a you know very sad movie, but that could have been interesting to see how he was dealing with that as a character because he seems interesting. But you got to make a choice, haven't you? You got to yeah, you know, well, especially if you're structuring in this way. There's only so much you can. Mm. put in before three product launches half hour before each one so yeah exactly ah they did what they could and what they did was fantastic exactly right i've got a little quote here i'm uh, not by roger ebert unfortunately because he's passed away by the time this film came out oh no when did mm. he pass i think about 2013 2012 mm. maybe sad yeah he's there for a chris He's there for our Christina Chronicles, though, Dylan, for the most part. So. For the most part. Yeah. Will he be there for Speed Racer? We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. There's a quote here from Dustin Chang in Variety, though. Okay. It says that uh, Sorkin's warts and all approach is so thorough that it seems to discover warts on top of warts. 
fair point. Yeah. <laughs> also says that the filmmakers have given their subject the brilliant, maddening, ingeniously designed, and monstrously self-aggrandizing movie that he deserves. Steve Jobs, that is. Well, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. As we said, he's a prick for most of it. So. Yeah. Waltz upon Waltz is an accurate description. Yeah. Good choice, Dylan. Good, Both good choices today for your films. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, you pick movies too. <laughs> Dylan, before we wrap up, I've got a little get amongst it for you. You better. Yeah, I do. I do. All right. And I'm going to recommend today, Dylan, that you and the listeners get amongst the musical stylings of an Australian musician named Alex Cameron. Uh, okay. Have okay. you heard about Alex Cameron before, Dylan? No, never in my life. Okay, all right. Well, can I take you on a journey to how I found Mr. Cameron? Yeah, okay. Keep in mind, it's a bit like when Mark had a dream about a bird and then he found a book at the bookstore and so on and so, so forth. So you dreamt about Alex Cameron? I didn't, no. <laughs> okay. What I did is I watched Sex Education, mm. the new season, Mm-hmm. And there's a new character who's played by an uh, actor called Jamama Kirk. Then I remember, okay. Dylan, a tweet from somebody who said that there's one moment in the show which they were perhaps um, speculating that it was inspired by Jamama Kirk's Australian boyfriend. And so I was like, okay, well, who's your Australian boyfriend? And then I looked up, Alex Cameron. And then I realised, I've seen this guy before, but I haven't listened to his music in ages. And it was like... A long time ago, but now I've got back into it. How good's that? Quite good. Did you follow my journey? <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> so he sings kind of like indie, rock, pop, electronic music. It's a little bit like mm. Bruce Springsteen, actually. Um, oh, okay. He's also got, he's got friends with like the Killers, and Brandon Flowers, so a bit of that influence. Yeah, yeah. But the biggest thing, Dylan, is that he's a bit naughty. A bit dirty. Oh, oh I. <laughs> he, he writes some um, songs about weird sort of people on the fringes, um, and then it sort of gets into performance art, and it's very satirical and very ironic. Um, like for one of his recent songs and his most recent album, it's all about um, feeling bad for the boys, as it's called, and feeling sorry for all these male friends who've been victims of like PC gone mad in society. Um, but it's very knowing, very sarcastic, sort of, you know. <laughs> Well, how bad is it my guys are all getting in trouble because they're dodgy blokes, essentially? <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, at the same time, it's kind of like happy music, um, but sad songs, like sad lyrics. Yeah. And like beautiful songs about dodgy people. It's kind of a very strange um, mix, which kind of works for the most part for me. Um, so the most recent album is called Miami Memories, um, and the earlier album was called Force Witness. There's another album I haven't really listened to much can get amongst it because I'm going to put his link to Spotify in our show notes. Um, so yeah, get amongst it. Fair warning, a bit naughty, a bit dirty, but overall pretty good. Okay, okay. I might give a listen, Lonnie, just for you. Oh, thank you. It's, it's not as good as U2's free album, but <laughs> it is actually. It's much better. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Now, Dylan, we're going to ramp up now. Where can people follow us? Oh, everywhere, Lonnie. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and just on the World Wide Web in general with yeah. our own website, imissyoumanpod.com. Exactly right. You can 
links to all this in our show notes you want to find us but yeah just get amongst it follow us look at it look us up get in touch It'd be great if you could do that yeah um thanks mark to our for our theme song mark the man please share our, our podcast if you liked it and yeah, let us know what your comedy actors and serious roles is you know what's your fave yeah let us know we'll shout it out we'll do a follow-up if we mm. get enough yeah, potentially all right then dylan until next time i miss you man oh bit down on that one where's the energy on me do you want to go again yeah all right then dylan until next time i miss you man i miss you man too much yeah yeah okay Go again. No, that's fine. <laughs> Take three. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.